Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on this cooler November Sunday morning. Just a, a couple quick announcements before we begin. Uh, Bible study will continue on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. for as we continue to look at healing in the Bible, both here on Sunday mornings, but also in more in, uh, more in depth and looking at scriptures on Tuesday morning. If you have any questions, you can talk, talk to Bev at the back. Tonight, uh, we are continuing our prayer meetings, our ecumenical prayer meetings at 7 p.m. here in the church, and everyone is coming to welcome to join us as we pray for the needs of our community together. On Tuesday night, church council will meet at 7 p.m., and the worship committee will meet at 6 p.m., just so everybody knows, and the worship committee and the church council, 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Our memorial light-up service is coming soon. It is two weeks from today, the 27th. It will be a 7 p.m. service, and that will be our service for that weekend. So just so you know. And Joyce is looking for a copy of our little flyer. So if you happen to have one of those at home, please let us know. Uh, we seem to be have trouble locating the source, so we need to recreate it. So if we had one from before, that would be very helpful. Um, starting last week, we've started collecting the offering during the service. Uh, it's okay if you still put your envelopes in the box at the back. They will still be collected. Uh, but at the same time, we will be passing the plates. But if you've already handed your money in, that's okay. Just pass it along. At the end of the service today, there will be time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer at the start. Uh, it is open for any kind of prayer, but this is a, a series on healing. So if you, in particular, if you want healing prayer, you may come forward as well. So any prayer needs at all. Um, but, you know, we, I would encourage you, because I know a lot of us could use healing prayers in our lives. So if you are in need of prayer for healing, uh, please come forward. Last week, we opened up our time capsule from what we believe to be 2007. There's no actual date as to when it was filled uh, during the anniversary service last week. Um, it was a lot of stuff inside there, and it is all on display in the church hall. There's a few tables laid out so you can go out and see what it was that was put into the time capsule uh, about, about 15 years ago. Uh, just a warning, there's no heat in the hall, so it is cooler, so make sure you wear your jacket when you go. And finally, at the church council, we talked about setting up an emergency response committee to help develop, put some work around, uh, just how would we best take care of each other in the event of another extended uh, natural disaster or slash impact on our community. So if you're interested in helping put together some sort of emergency response plan as a church, uh, we would be happy to put that together. So please talk to me if you're interested in that. I think that's all the announcements I have for today. Is there anything that I may have forgotten or any other announcements to share today? Let's take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. Let this candle remember Jesus Christ, the presence of our God, is with us every single day. Let us join together in a responsive psalm, Psalm 96. Sing a new song. Sing to God a new song. Sing and bless God's holy name. Tell the glad news of salvation from day to day. For great is God and greatly to be praised, to be revered above all the gods. For all the gods. 
honor and majesty attend you. Ascribe to God, you families of peoples, ascribe to God glory and strength. Worship God in the beauty of holiness, and let the whole earth stand in awe. The world is made firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be made glad. Then let the, all the trees of the forest sing for joy, for you come, O God, to judge the earth. together in prayer. Let us pray. As you promised to be with us, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. Our opening hymn today is Praise to the Lord the Almighty.
This morning's scripture is from Luke 24, uh, verses 28 to 33, uh, or 38, excuse me. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going to farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord.
Lord, we gather today. We gather our hearts around your love, your word, your peace for us. So Lord, we gather in your name to hear what you have to say. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So we're continuing to look at healing and the Bible. In the last two weeks, I've been talking about how our sin impacts our health, as well as the impact that outside influences and evil has on our lives. Now I want to say thanks to some of you for asking questions about what I was saying. And because of those conversations, I just want to take a moment to hopefully clarify a few things. Some of you have been asking if I believe that your illness or the illness of a loved one is because of sin. Now it's complicated, but the simple answer is no. I do believe that some illness is caused by sin, but not all. There are many conditions that people come across naturally. That is, they're not our fault. Some of them are an unfortunate fact of life for people who live on this planet. I will add, though, that I do believe many of the world's problems, including disease and illness, are the result of hundreds or even thousands of years of humanity's rebellion against God. We as a species have twisted God's creation in such a way that we have introduced disease and illness and other problems that we experience in the world. Now, for example, think of the ozone layer. Most of you were alive in the 80s. And if you remember in the 80s, all we heard talk about was the ozone layer, how it was thinning and there were holes appearing and how it was going to destroy the earth, right? The ozone layer is kind of like the sunscreen for the earth. It keeps out a lot of the harmful radiation. And the source of the holes and the thinning was because of aerosol spray cans. Now, thankfully, it sounds like we've kind of got things under control. We're doing better. The ozone layer is slowly healing. And we've largely eliminated aerosol sprays. The way we treat the planet has a huge impact on our health. So we need to take better care of it and better care of ourselves so that we can slowly begin to heal the ailments of the world together. It will take time. Things like cancer will not be eradicated in a day. But as we continue to study it, to learn more about it, the better society will be as we eliminate the sources for cancer in the world and as well as the other things that impact our lives in, in a negative way, such as continuing to raise awareness around the climate crisis, which is impacting our world right now in a very powerful way. But there's more to come if we don't begin to act, well, now. And even then, we may be too late. There are things that happen in this world that are out of our control, and it's not our fault. Now, I'm not going to make a blanket statement on which diseases and illnesses are caused by sin because it can be different for different people. But I also believe God offers healing no matter the, no matter the source of the illness. God will do what God will do. So I believe it's never, ever a bad idea to be praying for healing for someone and to see what God has to say about it. So again, thank you for the questions. I'm always happy to have feedback if something I say isn't quite clear. Not everything in my head makes it to the sermon. And sometimes I gloss over things with the assumption that it's kind of a, an understanding, but that's not always the case. So I apologize if I have caused any stress or anxiety in your life over the last few weeks. As for the stress and the anxiety I've caused in your life the rest of the year, we'll deal with that at another time. So as I promised last week, we're going to look into the ways in which we can experience healing through the sacraments of the church. And as has been over the last month, I'm continuing to use Mark Pearson's book, Christian Healing, as kind of our guide through the process. In general, mainline views have different views of the sacraments. Officially, we in the United Church of Canada, we recognize two sacraments, which are baptism and communion. The Catholic Church, it has seven sacraments that it recognizes. A couple of other denominations have different numbers. Some denominations even have no sacraments. 
So while we only have two, I'm not going to just talk about those two. They are important to us, but the church as a whole has many other ways in which they experience God, and, and in particular healing. So I will touch on many of the sacraments that are recognized around the world. We may not name some of them as sacraments, but we do do some of them. We recognize them. We just offer them maybe in a slightly different way. It's probably best I start off with exploring what does it mean to call something a sacrament. The word sacrament comes from the Greek word for mystery. And the definition uh, that we use for sacrament could be an outward sign instituted by God to convey an inward grace. An, outside, an outward sign instituted by God to convey an inward grace. It is a physical sign, a, a physical display of the inward work God is doing in our lives. That is, for instance, the water of baptism, the, the bread and wine or juice of communion, they are signs of what God is doing in our lives. Now remember, sacrament means mystery from the Greek. So we need to be careful how we understand and we practice these mysteries. We don't want to slip into the extreme of treating them as if they're magic, as if they themselves have, have power. Or we don't want to slip into the thing of treating them as just symbols, that they're just visual aids for our belief. The water of baptism, the, the bread and the wine of communion do not in of themselves have special magical powers. Nor are they just basic symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In a sense, they are indeed symbols, but it's a slightly different view of a symbol. So think of the flag of Canada. It is that. It is a flag that represents an image of Canada for people. But to pick up a loony, a loony is different. Yes, the loony represents something, it represents a dollar, but that loony can also be used. We can exchange it for goods. It has a value. We can exchange it with someone for, for a dollar's worth of materials. Not that that would be very much these days. Maybe I should have used a $50 bill as an example instead. But that's the kind of image of a symbol, this interaction that we want to keep in mind as we look at the sacraments. Yes, they represent something, but they can also be used to interact with what they represent. They point to something beyond themselves. Now, we want the sacraments to mean something, and they do, but there's also an imbalance in how we view them. We don't want to give them so much importance that they replace God, nor do we want them to have so little importance that they don't mean anything at all. Because in either case, we risk missing out on certain blessings God may have for us, especially at a time when we might need them most. As with, I've done with most of the teaching over the last month, we want to be somewhere in the middle between those. Now we read in Luke 24 today about the two disciples that were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on the day when they found the tomb empty. They had not yet heard that Jesus had been seen. They only had heard that he would be promised to be seen. And they're walking slowly down the road, trying to make sense of it all, and a stranger joins them on their walk. And they do not recognize the stranger to be Jesus. Yet later on, when they figure out who it was with them on their walk, that it was indeed Jesus, they think back and they say, wow, weren't, when we were walking, wasn't our heart just burning during those conversations we had with the stranger? And this is just because Jesus was near, even though they didn't know it was him, that our hearts began to burn with passion for what they were sharing. Now, we have to know who God is intellectually. We have to study our Bibles. We have to seek to understand who God is as, as he shared through Scripture. But we must also be open to experiencing God. Our knowledge of God must not supersede our feelings for or our experiences of God. Our head and our heart 
Both are important in our relationship with God. Now when we think about the sacraments, there are people that actually object to the church still using sacraments. And they think we should leave them behind. And the first objection that we hear of is that it's part of a dead religion. That is, they don't see any point to the sacraments. They seem lifeless. They're pointless. They're meaningless. But other things can be pointless and meaningless too. They can feel dead to us. Worship can feel dead. Bible studies can feel dead. Prayer meetings can feel dead. So what is it that causes them to feel dead? Whose fault is it? And I can assure you it's not God's. If we experience things as dead, especially the sacraments, then maybe we need to rethink how we do them. Because God, I can assure you, is not dead. Nor are the ways in which we can experience him. Another objection that the people will say is, 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 is traditionalism. What I mean is the repeated act of doing something that may have lost its meaning. Now, tradition is not a bad thing at all. Jesus told his followers to keep having the Last Supper, to have communion. Jesus kept telling people to, to recite the Lord's Prayer. Yaroslav Pelikan said, Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. That is, tradition, and by his terms, is the faithful heritage that has been handed down from generation to generation that, is, that it has meaning, it has faith, it has power. Traditionalism is simply repeating the old religious rites by simply going through the steps, going through the motions, without faith, without understanding, without power, without meaning. I think I told this story before, but there was a preacher who went to a country church and halfway through the service, the congregation stood up and switched sides. He thought, well, that's odd. But anyway, kept going. Went back a few weeks later. Again, halfway through the service, the congregation stood up and switched sides. And this got him thinking, so he's scratching his head. And on the way out, he's asking, what's this deal with everybody standing up and, and switching sides? And they're like, we don't really know. We just have always done it. And so the preacher is visiting an older woman who's a member of the congregation who doesn't attend on Sundays anymore, but she has a long history with the church. And he asks her, why is it that in the middle of the service everybody stands up and switches sides? Well, she says, oh, that's because back in the early days, the church had a wood stove on one side of the church. <laughs> and halfway up to the service, everybody stand up and switch sides so that everybody could sit by the heat. They took that wood stove out years ago. <laughs> Traditionalism versus tradition. Another thing the pandemic has caused us to do is rethink communion a little bit. It's not that we don't like, I, I mix up the communion liturgies depending on the season, depending on the day, depending on, depending on the reason why we have communion. We're not doing the exact same thing every time. But even during the pandemic, we've had to rethink communion a little bit more because we haven't been passing the plates. We've all had the little cups. While they're convenient, they can feel like we're losing something. We had, so we're careful about the liturgy in hopes of Reminding us that it's more than just the elements. It's, it's more than just how do we get that plastic cover off. It's about experiencing God through the liturgy, of which the elements are just a part. The final objection I'll look at today is, is that the sacraments, well, they're too Catholic. And that's really nothing more than, than a dig at the Catholic Church. We Protestants... We, we, we only celebrate two sacraments. And there are times when they almost feel like a bit of a sideshow. We pull them out, we do our thing, and we put them away for a while. We do the ritual. But we've forgotten that these, these sacraments, they're from the Bible. They have life. They have a rich history in the Christian church. Yes, we can look at the Catholics and say, well, they take it a little too seriously sometimes. But they are right in what they do in, in teaching about this tradition. 
about making them an important part of the church. And we can most certainly learn from them in this regard. So with that, let's, let's start to look at the sacraments. Let's look at baptism to begin with. In its simplest terms, we treat baptism as the welcoming of a child into the family of God. But it's more than that. When someone is baptized, there are promises that are made. In baptism, we are committing our lives to Christ. Or in the case of an infant, the parents are making a promise to raise their child in a Christian home. To know Christ. During our baptism, we are also rejecting the darkness of the world and returning to the kingdom of light that is God. We, as a community, as a church, we're the ones bringing the baptized into our family. We are a community that seeks to live out the life of Jesus Christ that he's laid before us and to raise, the, be part of the raising of that person, the child, into a life of faith. The church is committing to be part of their faith journey of the one who is being baptized. To come into a covenant relationship with God through baptism, we open ourselves up to the greatest healing possible by removing ourselves from the kingdom of darkness and moving into the kingdom of light, which is God. This is a very important part in the journey of faith. Because as we looked at in previous weeks, the devil is working hard at breaking our relationship with God. Baptism is a key tool in keeping that devil work of the devil at bay because we are embracing the life God has for us. This understanding is important as we seek to be a people of faith. So now what about communion? The second sacrament we recognize in the United Church of Canada. We know communion was initiated by Jesus at the Last Supper. But we're also reminded today by those two disciples walking the road to Emmaus that the Lord's Supper can be experienced anywhere at any time. It can happen, and it also can open our eyes to the truth God has for us, even in our lowest moments. Jesus reminded them what he had done just days before and that they could continue to encounter him through it even after he's gone. Communion has been used in healing ceremonies by the church forever. Whenever someone was sick, the deacons would bring the communion elements to them, and it would continue until that person was better. Communion was seen as a sacrament that brought wholeness to the person who was receiving it. Through the bread and the wine or juice, we are reminded powerfully that Jesus gave of himself on the cross to forgive our sins and to open us up to the other blessings God has in store for us, which includes healing. Now, while that's all we have for sacraments in the United Church, we're going to look at more of them, because we actually do some of these things. We just view them not as sacraments, a little bit differently. But we can learn from them. The first one I'll look at is confirmation. Now, if we've been baptized as infants, confirmation is the time where we take those baptismal promises upon ourselves. What our parents have said, we take for ourselves. It's a time when we invite Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And it's a time when we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into lives where we are obedient to the Lord. As we've talked about the last few weeks, sin and sickness are intertwined. So confirmation, like baptism, is a time we are asking to be strengthened by God, to be able to resist the temptations of the world, temptations which cause us to sin. Confirmation is more than just welcoming new members so they can sit on committees and vote. It is a special time of committing ourselves to God. And it has been known to bring healing to the lives who are undergoing this ritual. We can see how that works, right? The person who is being confirmed, they make a profession of faith, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It brings reconciliation with God. Confirmation is even known to impart special spiritual gifts on the people. All of these things are important for receiving and imparting the healing of God. Another sacrament that's fun to talk about is confession or penance. 
as something we don't really do in the United Church as a whole. But we've done it here a few times. I've walked you through those steps. It is also a big part of our set-free retreat that we've, we offer on occasion. Heartfelt confession is most certainly an avenue for healing. Why? Again, because sin and sickness are intertwined. If we confess and remove our sins, we, if we receive, receive, receive forgiveness from God, yes, healing can be expected. Through confession, we are reconciled to God. It not only takes away the burden of our guilt, but it restores our relationship with God that was broken through our sin. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In our confession, God forgives us and he cleanses us, which opens us up to healing. Another sacrament that we, we know of but don't call a sacrament is holy matrimony. Now, we celebrate weddings in our church, but we do not recognize it as a sacrament. In doing so, we kind of lose a little bit of sight of what marriage is meant to be. In Christian marriage, we invite God to bind two people together with him in a special covenant. A passage that I read at weddings is from Matthew 19, and it says, For this reason, will a, man, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Through this union, God pours his grace into a marriage, allowing hurts to be healed, making each person more whole, as they minister to each other by the grace of God through their marriage. God is their third equal partner. Now something else we don't typically do in the United Church is unction, which is anointing people with oil. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I've done it. I, I have anointed people with oil. And I find it a, to be a powerful reminder that we are chosen by God. Yet, anointing with oil is also an avenue by which we can receive healing. Now, the times when I have received healing, uh, is I've received it in, in confession, I've received it in prayer, but the most powerful, the most immediate healing that I have experienced personally is when that prayer was accompanied by anointing with oil. In that moment, I literally felt pain leave my body as they prayed for me and anointed me with oil. Now, the next time I'm looking for healing and I'm anointed with oil, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe it won't work in the same way. Maybe I won't experience healing at all next time. Why? Because anointing with oils is not the only way in which God offers healing. It is one way. There may be another way God wants to heal me. Maybe I need to confess my sins. Probably I need to confess my sins. Maybe there's something else going on that God's going to do his work. But anointing with oil is a reminder that we are God's children, chosen by him to be part of his family. It is yet another way God will bring about healing in our lives. Over thousands of years, sacraments have been an important in, in the life of the church as a way to experience God's grace. Sure, there have been times when we use them incorrectly. There have been times when we have abused them. But at the same time, but, but we could say that about just about anything in the church. There are times when we've done it wrong. There's times when we've abused it. But through the sacraments, we are asking God to restore us, to restore our lives, to, to make us whole through simple acts that he instituted for us. Through these acts, God brings us back into relationship with him if we realize that they're more than just rituals. These are ways in which God brings healing and wholeness into people's lives. Sacraments are a way in which we welcome God's grace. We need God in our lives. 
And we find him in many ways. And if we do them well, we find him very powerfully in the sacraments. These gifts he's given us as his children, as he's given them to the church. So may we be open to all the ways in which God brings healing and wholeness to us. We are who his, are who his children, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Let us sing together, Come Now, Almighty King. Join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come giving thanks for the gifts you have given to us, that you have given to your church. We thank you for ways, the many ways, in which we can experience your wholeness and your healing in our lives. We thank you that we gather today as a family of faith, seeking to grow and learn in our understanding of you, to draw closer to you. Lord, we also come today with the concerns of this world. We just cannot leave it at the door. We, we carry burdens with us. And so, Lord, we lift to you the prayers of our hearts. We pray for those who are sick. We pray that you offer them healing. We pray, O oh God, for those who feel the impact of war in this world. We continue to pray for Ukraine. We continue to pray for Russia. We continue to pray for all those places of conflict in this world, for there are many. We pray, O oh God, for the meetings happening for, of the environment in Egypt this, this week. Lord, may we come together as a world to bring healing to this planet. May we turn from the ways of destruction and turn to the ways of hope. Lord, now we lift to you the, the, the prayers of our hearts today. 
Lord, we bring all these, prayer to you, all these prayers to you. We lift them up in the name of Jesus that you may bring healing and comfort and hope to those we pray for. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue to respond to God's call in our lives to be faithful stewards of all that he has given us. And so as we receive the blessings of God this day, we return to God a portion of which is his. Our offering will now be received. Closing him today's May, the God of hope go with us.
of you didn't know that had a second verse because we usually just sing the first verse at Christmas time. <laughs> My friends, let us go. Let us receive the healing that God has for us. May we share that healing and love with those who are around us. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Please come forward.